the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said to his disciples, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. Amen. Well, today we celebrate the feast day of the Trinity. This is the best attendance we've ever had on this feast day. (laughs) And did you really believe me when I said I was going to retire? (laughs) I'm having second thoughts. This is our name day, which is also very important to us here at Trinity Church. I'm going to say a few words about the Trinity because, after all, I think that the liturgical day should supersede and arc over all that we do this day. As I was preparing this sermon, Lou sent me a link to a blog by one of our colleagues, and this particular blog was an explanation of all the heresy that had been preached on Trinity Sunday. And as I, as I went through the list and read it, there were these little things like, you know, trying to explain the Trinity. Well, it's like water. You know, it can be ice and it can be water and it can be steam. And then, well, it's like an apple. It has the skin and the flesh and the core. And all of those are heresies. And I've preached every one of them, I'm sure. <laughs> I think that the the concept of the Trinity is really a gift to the church. Uh, One of the things that we must always keep in mind is that our theology grows out of our experience of God. So it is above all, this idea of the Trinity is above all the way that people have tried to understand the nature of God. And I think it's a gift to the church in part because we really cannot explain it. It is beyond us. And it always reminds us that our understanding of God will forever be limited. So we worship a God that we know, but don't completely understand a God that is beyond explanation. And I think that's so important for us to hold on to. This God that we worship has manifested God's self in so many different ways to so many different peoples. And all of us form our theologies based on that experience of the nature of God. Well, Trinity Sunday. I remember with great thanksgiving the day of my institution on Trinity Sunday, 2003. That was 13 years ago. It was a wonderful day, but it has been so wonderful since then. And the first Sunday that I preached was actually... Uh, the first Sunday in April. And I preached about two pulpits. 
One was the pulpit at the cathedral in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, the, the pulpit that I was leaving. And the other was the pulpit here at Trinity. The pulpit at the cathedral has carved at the bottom of the prayer de- at the, the uh, pulpit desk where you hold your notes, Sir, we would see Jesus. Well, obviously, when they carved that, they didn't expect a woman to be preaching. (laughs) The pulpit here was quite different. Taped here was an evacuation plan. (laughs) And it wasn't enough that it be taped here. It was taped at the lectern as well. (laughs) I thought it was probably the work of an overzealous fire chief. (laughs) And we know at least one overzealous fire chief. I've thought about that since then, and uh, the, the idea of an evacuation plan really isn't all bad because it reminds us that we are not to stay here. We are to go out there. And sometimes we're forced out there. And perhaps that applies to me today. I think the evacuation plan is very appropriate for me. <laughs> Lou and I have had an absolutely amazing experience being a part of this parish. And I must say that uh, it's been, for me, both professionally fulfilling, but also personally and spiritually very fulfilling. Before you called me, uh, you had a search committee that went through a time of discernment with the entire congregation. And in the course of that, you came up with three goals that were very clear. You said that you wanted to become financially stable. You wanted to attract new families and be more welcoming. And you also wanted to increase the size and the vitality of the program for children and youth. And you have done every one of those things. That's really rewarding for priests because many times congregations will say, we want to grow, but they don't want to do what it requires in order to grow. And they really don't want to grow in many cases because that means new people and that means change. You wanted to do the three things that you said you were going to do and you did it. But then you did something more. You decided you needed a new parish house and you built it. And I have told many of you, and I know you know, I never wanted to be a part of a building project. (laughs) I have been blessed uh, to serve two parishes. There was a building project in both of them. <laughs> and part of the reason for that was that I, I always felt it, it drew off so much energy in order to, to do that. But as I look back on it, at least for this parish, I think that it has been the opposite. I think it has brought energy to this parish. The project was entirely lay-led. And... Uh, Some people have said, oh, this is a wonderful legacy for you. I don't feel that way about it at all. In fact, I told someone just this morning, if they knew how little I did on that project, they'd cut my pay. (laughs) Gary Smith, who was the senior minister at First Parish, had had just was in the process of uh, completing their renovation. And he and I were in a colleague group together. And I said, Gary, how do you interact with all that? He says, I stay away as much as I can. (laughs) This was your project, and you did it. And I think it's a tribute to this congregation, especially your commitment to one another, to your life together, 
your commitment to hospitality <clears throat> that invites people to come into this place and welcomes them in a way that they know they are truly welcome. And perhaps most importantly, it will provide a place where ministries yet unthought of will be, uh, will be nourished and they will, they will go from there in a way that will be wonderful for the people who, uh, to whom you reach out to. So that project, I think, has been very important in the life of this parish, and it says so much about who you are. Well, there are two things that come at the end of this service that I wanted to talk with you about. The first is that there will be a choral blessing. It's a Gaelic blessing, and it is uh, set to a composition by John Rutter. And the blessing goes like this. Deep peace of the running waves to you. Deep peace of the flowing air to you. Deep peace of the quiet earth to you. Deep peace of the shining stars to you. Deep peace of the gentle night to you. Moon and stars pour their healing light on you. Deep peace in Christ, the light of the world on you. Deep peace of Christ. You may have noticed that that is a blessing of deep peace from God's creation on us. And then, of course, it, it culminates in that deep peace that comes from the presence of Christ. I think sometimes that we believe that it's really about us, humankind, and even worse when it's just me and Jesus. That doesn't really work. God delights in all of God's creation. And God has given us the creation around us to delight us and to give us a deep peace. So when that blessing is sung, it is not just a blessing on Lou and me. It is a blessing on all of you. The deep peace that comes from the grandeur of God's creation and the deep peace that comes from the presence of Christ. The second thing I wanted to comment on is the hymn that comes at the end of the service. It's uh, one that you might not be familiar with. Uh, Robert knows that it's one of my favorites. Uh, Lou and I and our family sojourned for a time in the uh, Evangelical Covenant Church when we were living in California. We had gone through a terrible uh, church split in Chelmsford, and it was just awful. And we, we couldn't go back to the Episcopal Church for about four years. So we went to this covenant church, which was mostly Baptist from what I could tell, but our theology was not, uh, it wasn't copacetic to us, and, I, and it wasn't, they're not bad. I just see the world differently, you know? I mean, <laughs> so we, we realized in those four years that we really were. Anglicans, we really were Episcopalians. But one of the things that happened while we were there, there was a young woman, actually the daughter of the founder, lay founder of that church. It's the largest church in the denomination. It's really a mega church. And this woman had uh, children, uh, young children. She had been diagnosed with liver cancer. And she was a woman of great faith and was uh, getting good medical care and chemotherapy and seemed to be in remission. So she preached a series, a sermon series, based on this hymn. And she said every morning she would get up and she would sing this hymn 
about God's faithfulness. I have preached about that before. We've sung it here before because Robert knows it's one of my favorite. I think it's so important for us to know that the nature of God is to be faithful. Our nature is to try to be faithful, but we don't always make it. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't continue to try. So it is the faithfulness of God, not our own, that we rely on. And that faithfulness is what buoys us up and holds us and helps us to get through those times in our lives that can be so difficult. So when we sing this hymn this morning, I want you to know it's not about my faithfulness. This is about, is it about your faithfulness? It's about God's faithfulness. A very important aspect of the nature of God. I have, uh, when I was at seminary, I encountered for the first time this concept of being in a liminal space or a liminal time. And the, the professor who helped us understand that uh, talked about the fact that we were not what we had been, but we weren't quite what we were going to be. So we were in that, that time in between. Lou and I are in a liminal space. We don't know what lies ahead. In fact, I've, I've said to a number of people, uh, this is the first time in my entire life that I don't know what lies beyond. I know we have to sell a house, but beyond that, I can't see it. We are going to South Dakota. We're going to go to Sioux Falls. But beyond that, we really don't know. And you are in a liminal space. You don't know who your next rector will be. You've not yet met your interim priest. And it's a time that can be one of anxiety. It can be a time of fear. But I think what I learned at seminary from this prof was that it was a time that we should embrace that liminal sense that we're in. It's a time for nourishment. It's a time to reflect on who you are. It's a time to think about where God might possibly be leading you. So it's really like an incubation period. And then at some point you step over the threshold and you know you are where God wants you to be. So together we are in this liminal space and it will be an interesting time. We can all be sure of that. I am very thankful that you have Becky Gettle to be here as a pastor and as a priest uh, especially in June when she will be alone, but beyond that, certainly as well. And then Sarah Connor, who has been called to be your interim priest, will be coming. Sarah is a wonderfully talented interim priest. She's a professional. I think this is the sixth congregation that she has helped. She knows what she's doing, and she'll guide you through that process with wonderful professionalism. I know that. And she'll also be a pastor to you. You are also blessed with a great staff. People who truly care about what happens here day in and day out. Often working quietly when people have no idea what they're doing, but working faithfully as they know how. So you are blessed with that. And I must say that the wardens in the vestry who are part of this parish, I've I've said this many times, I've, uh, Lou and I have been a part of many churches over the years, 
I have never experienced vestries like the vestries at Trinity. They're just wonderful groups of people. And the vestry and the wardens that you have now will lead you with wisdom and integrity as they govern this parish during this interim period and beyond. So I think this is, this is a, a, a bittersweet moment for many of us. But I think we need to look ahead and we need to embrace this liminal state that we find ourselves in, but also embracing it knowing that God will lead us into what God wants for us next. For God is faithful. We can count on that. Trinity is a wonderful community. It's a sign of the unity of the church which Jesus promised to the body of Christ. And if we think about God as unity, not so much as the three persons, but the unity, it's the unity that is so important. So remember, God is good all the time. <laughs> it's the little thing sometimes you hang on to. God is good all the time. God loves you with infinite love. God loves you if you even feel unloved. And I love you because of what you have done for me and for Luke. Amen.